0: To your soul. Welcome to What's On Your Souls, a relational podcast where you can relax and enjoy conversation, inspiration, encouragement and motivation in a judgment free space. Don't continue to drag around that emotional debris. Here's what's next on this episode.
1: Sometimes as parents, what I've observed is that parents will be fearful when their children glean something from someone else. They'll feel threatened by that or as if it implies that they were not adequate enough, but you have to give room for the cleverness of God and his ability to guide your child, and you have to celebrate that and be appreciative for it.
0: Have a seat on the porch, and let's examine what's on your soul. Well, soul's. hello
1: everybody, this is Mia. I'm so excited to be back with you all on the What's On Your Soul podcast, a figurative porch about just the things that come up, uh, and dump into our minds and we want a safe place to talk about it, to uh, retain dignity and respect about it, but to learn and to grow from it. I am so excited to be back. We were gone uh, on our last podcast. My sweet father passed away on uh, August the 27th. And it was just important to me, like in all things in life, that you create space to honor and to um, acknowledge a life And what it contributed and the love that you have for it and to honor it and so I am so grateful for my father 87 years Um, that is champion status to me and all that he gave and it is honored to be part of his legacy and to move forward with life-giving things and so that is where we sit today Uh, I have a very special guest with me I always say that but God has blessed me in a myriad of ways and The people that come into my life, there are not words to always quantify that, um, and I see that as favor, but today who sits with me is my friend, Charlene Atkins. Hey, Charlene, how are you? Hi, Mia. So the story behind this is that Charlene uh, rarely says yes. Uh, She's pretty (laughs) exclusive in some ways, yet very accessible in other ways, which is very dear. Uh, in intimate and thoughtful ways, and so I'm very grateful for this, and I want to honor this moment with her here on the porch with me so that it is um, satisfactory and worth her time as well, which I know it will be, but we both have something very important to share today, and so um, we are excited to be on the porch. We were on the road last time, right, Product? Yes, we were on the porch last, on the road last time we did this, but now we're back on our regular porch, and so this will be better than ever um charlene what's it been like for you the last couple of months
2: it's been an adventure it's been fun um aside from being at home with my sweet husband <laughs> i've had both girls both my daughter's home um they both came through my youngest was uh graduating college so we got to spend some time with her before she went off to her next journey and my oldest um She is working from home, so she has been excited to come and work from home with us. Oh, working from your home, not Yes. I mean, it's her. I get what you say, but she's come to your home. She's come to my home, so she has decided to shelter in place with her dad and I.
1: Look at that. Well, what a great segue for what we are talking about today. So I have received a myriad of requests about talking about empty nesting. I was trying to think of the title. Production, I always come up with this brilliant title, This might be one that flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes. I like that title. You know why I like that title? We'll talk about that a lot. Because oftentimes the assumption is, Charlie, you might agree, we were just talking about this before we went on the air, is that we are always completely mentally, emotionally, and spiritually sane as we parent, right? Yeah. And sometimes our children are who they are in some part in response to our insanity. Absolutely. Okay, that's all I (laughs) want to say. So (laughs) we're going to take a break. We're so glad to be here. We'll be right back and we're going to jump
0: right in. More conversation on the way from What's On Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H dot com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls.
1: Okay, we're back on the porch with my friend, Charlene. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm Great. So what I always talk about is there's this thing we do physically. Sometimes when we arrive at someone's home, um, there are times when people will ask others to respond move their shoes or whatever they have on their feet uh, and the reason they do that is because they don't want wherever you have been to track up where they are Yes. Yeah. so uh and sometimes we don't even recall where we've been and i talk about that you arrive in somebody's house and they're like what is that smell mm-hmm. and then everybody looks at the bottom of their shoes and they're like somebody has stepped in something and you're like i don't even know where i got that from the same thing happens emotionally, mentally, spiritually,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we don't vet it as carefully. We're not as mindful and thoughtful. Uh, and with that saying, not that we don't invite them in, but we don't consider that sometimes what is being put on us is from where someone else has been. hmm And so we try to be mindful when we come to the porch that we take our shoes off and we leave them to the side. Mm-hmm. And we're just in the moment and try to be as fully to model what being fully present and real and authentic is without the need to impress or embellish, to lie, to be scared. Just come on, right? Because there is a place where we all get to do that. Speaking truth. So what we're talking about today is the empty nest. And um, I have some questions that have come in. And what I would like to do is just kind of throw them out to you, mm-hmm. my friend, and receive your insight on them. You ready?
2: I think so. So
1: I have a couple of friends. The pandemic has added, of course, uh, a whole different variable to what has been going on for years and years, sending children off to college uh, and children graduating from college. But the pandemic I we own has given a whole new narrative to that. So we're going to take that into consideration, too. But the first thing I want to ask you is to speak to the shift uh, of the parental paradigm from when you have had a child in your home, from the time they were born, till the time they graduate high school, and now they are leaving for college. How does your role as a parent, although I know it has evolved all along up until then, what is the most significant shift in that parental paradigm once they are going to college?
2: For me and my family, um, when my girls were headed off to college, one of the things that um, I was clear on and we had to be very intentional about was we were no longer um, in charge. Our, Our relationship was changing from parenting to coaching. And um, the reason is, is, as I told my girls when they left home, um, I live here, you're going to be living there. I can't control that environment. I can't manage you over there. Was that scary for you? Um, I don't think so, because I've been preparing for it, preparing myself mentally for it. So I don't think it was really scary. Mainly because I've always felt like God could take better care of them than I can. So
1: that's good in theory. That's good when you hear it, right? Mm-hmm. But we know probably in this circle um, or this kind of area that we get to look at is that we have we're around parents that have a lot of resources, a lot of mm-hmm. access, a lot of control, and um, a lot of direction in regard to their children.
2: How old are your children? Um, My oldest will be 25 soon, in a few weeks, and my youngest is 22. And they both graduated from college and Mm -hmm. did all of that? Mm -hmm. And what are they doing now? My oldest um, lives in Silicon Valley right now. She's working for um, Adobe Systems. She's a financial analyst. And my youngest is in medical school.
1: Okay, I just wanted to qualify that. Mm -hmm. I I I think it's important that you say that so that people understand that you've moved through... Mm -hmm. the seasons that we're talking about. So when you say you wanted to give them, you said, I can no longer manage you, Mm -hmm. right? This is up to you. What does that even mean and look like for them?
2: For them, it means that they have to make decisions and make choices that um, previously that we monitored and controlled. So social outings with friends, um, how much time you spend hanging out, um, things you choose to get involved in, people you choose to associate with and surround yourself with. Um, You no longer have your parents there observing and providing insight on things that you can't see to help you make those choices or to just say no.
1: And how would you have... um you know, this is kind of going backwards, but how would you have equipped them? What would you have done that you said this was beneficial and impactful and probably important for them in making those decisions on their own now? What do they know that will help, that you have taught them as parents that will help them in that? Oh, that's
2: a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think back to their high school experiences. You know, high school is tough. It is. It can be. I, yeah, high school is tough, and so... You know, they've had a lot of experiences with friends and different people in high school. And um, I think as parents, the hardest thing to do is to know that each move you make during that season is what's equipping them for when they go away. Um, You're going to make mistakes. We made mistakes. Mm -hmm. But you have to trust that um, what you've shared with them is – is what's sticking, I guess. Um, but even if it's not, you know, equipping them for college life and adulthood didn't just start in high school, though. It's, it's all of their life, all of their life experiences. But you have to at some point trust that what you've poured into them, they, they have it. And you got to release them. Okay,
1: so this is what I'm going to say. So we know that we're great and greatly flawed, mm-hmm. and it sounds as if you and your husband were very intentional in some ways, in some regard, mm-hmm. right, to that. What about if we weren't as intentional or aware as parents? And what if we were almost flying by the seat of our pants, or we made mistakes, or we didn't know what our hurts and hang-ups and habits were mm-hmm. that might – negatively influence our children so now we're scared because we're not uh, and it doesn't always have to be specifically that but we're not sure if what we like if we did enough if we taught enough if we loved enough if we provided enough if we were wisdom givers enough so
2: even if you were intentional you feel all those things I mean when my oldest got ready to leave those were the questions I I was asking myself did I tell her enough did I love her enough did high, You know, just I second guessed myself Up until the moment I left her And even while she was gone Yeah, I was afraid I didn't know But one of the things that I learned And I understand The word of God says You know, people always talk about You don't know what's in them You need to test it The word of God said test it So you don't know what's in them Until they're away from you You, you just don't know And so you can be as afraid as you want to be, but you'll never know. So you have to think about it as, a friend told me when my daughter was born, um, she told me, she said, you need to raise her as if you're not going to be here. And she said, that's because you don't know when God's going to call you home. So you can be as afraid or as in control as you want to be. But if you leave her behind what then so her telling me that when my daughter was born allowed me to give my husband room to be a part of it because of course as the mom I thought I had all the answers back then Mm -hmm.
1: and you can dominate if you're the mom right
2: Right. and so it allowed me to give him room to be a part of her her life as an infant Mm -hmm. and her growing up so that has stuck with me throughout um, their entire childhood while they were growing up, remembering that God is in control. So it almost sounds as if it's uh, it's a perspective, right? It is perspective
1: because we will make mistakes. There are things we will miss, and it's okay because we're fallible. But um, I think what might happen with help with that is the intent, rather, like whether you're saying how whatever happens is on is me. Mm-hmm. Like my glory, my defeat, mm-hmm. or it's for someone else's glory. Exactly. Right, that happens. So perspective taking is important
2: to that. Perspective, I think, is probably critical when, it's par- when you're parenting. Because the assumption is you're perfect,
1: right? And yes. all they have to do is glean it from you. Right. Or your right. ability to own and say, this is my flaw. This is what mom and dad don't do well. Or this is what, yeah. and we, but that has nothing to do with. That has nothing to do with them. That's good. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: We're going to keep this going. More conversation on the way from What's On Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to Miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the Leave a Comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls.
1: Okay, we're back on the porch with my friend Charlene. How are you doing, Charlene? I'm good. You're great. You still have your shoes off? I do. It's a great day. It was a rainy day today, but it's very peaceful. It is. On the porch. So we stopped our last kind of segment talking about what if you've missed a few things in the parenting game? And I wanted just to kind of lean into that a little bit to talk about are we responsible for every single thing that is going to culminate in who our child ends up being
2: no who
1: else how how does that happen
2: then you know what one of the things that we all should learn even as a parent you look in kids will be learning for the rest of their lives as we are as we are Mm -hmm. so no you're not responsible you're responsible for taking them to adulthood and then from there they'll continue to learn they'll learn from their experiences which will be different from yours Mm -hmm. which will be different from anything, probably anything that you've ever been exposed to.
1: I think that's a big thing too, because sometimes as parents, what I've observed is that parents will be fearful when their children glean something from someone else. They'll feel threatened by that or as if it implies that they were not adequate enough. Mm -hmm. And that is never, that is never what it is, but you have to give room for the cleverness of God and his Mm -hmm. ability to show up embodied in different people to guide your child Mm -hmm. wherever they're, and you have to celebrate that and be appreciative for it.
2: I think when parents recognize that they're still growing. But you know, not all parents think that. That's true. That's true. Um, That's true. They don't, but that's okay. It's okay. Um, Just recognize that, you know, you're not perfect either. And own that. And own it. Right? That's And great modeling. then you can realize that you're still growing and changing as well as they are. It allows you to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit. Okay, allow been... your kids to see you as humans.
1: Ooh, that's, a, that's a word. Okay. <laughs> um, how to love your children well, yet set them free at the same time. So you're letting go. You pack up that stuff. You put it in the little crates. You go to container mm-hmm. store. Everything's labeled. Mm-hmm. You do that. You drop them off. And then during the pandemic, my understanding was you couldn't even go in the dorm room. Like you just drop off and get your things or some of them are doing half and half. How do you love them well, and yet set them free to do however they are bent?
2: For me, it was um, reassuring my girls that even though we were taking you to college, you were going to be away, we're still here. We're still here, we're still available. Home base still exists. Home base still exists. Um, you call, I'll answer. Um, you ask me to come if I can, I will. Um, giving, reassuring them that you didn't just cut all ties with them.
1: So what about when they call you with information or you become aware of information that is not in line with what you would agree with maybe Mm -hmm. or what you feel like you've taught them or modeled them, but they're, you've said you can come to me, Mm -hmm. you can call me or whatever. So they call or come to you with things that are making your head blow off your body in your mind, but not in front of them. What do you do with them?
2: Um, I think a lot of it is just conversation. If you know that you've um, provided a solid foundation, when your kids call with things that are, what I would consider far left, ask questions, probe them. Give us the examples. Come on. Um, Let me think. Uh, You know, you get all kinds of weird stuff. So your kids call you, say you're a family, probably most common that people think of is uh, drinking.
1: That's a great one. That's real life. Let's go. Yeah,
2: Kids go off to college, they're drinkers. In your home, you've never been drinkers. They've never seen their parents drink in front of them Mm -hmm. you know so they're not sure whether you drink or not because you never because I've never drank in front of you I've never talked about it um so when they go off to college and of course college students do it they drink um and so they call you and they say oh my gosh um I had my first glass of wine you know for some parents what are you doing why are you drinking you know but I would just say really well how was it and you ask them why 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 did you feel the need to experience that and just listen and then guide them through real life of what happens on college campuses so I'm not going to tell you not to drink because that's what you all do at college and I can't control that and I can't control that but I will tell you how I feel about it and we'll get to that later. But what I am going to ask you to do is to drink responsibly. If you're going to drink, especially for young women, you need to be in a safe space. Do not drink to ever put yourself in a space where you're inebriated, where you cannot take care of yourself, where your your well-being, you're relying on somebody else. You don't ever want to be so drunk, you're out of your mind. So you take that dog hunting. So this doesn't sound like the space where you're now going to preach Mm-mm. and condemn Mm-mm. and belittle, belittle and no. say, we didn't teach you that. you didn't tell- No, because they're not with you. And so think about when your kids are with you and you preach and you do all these things, they get to react however they react. Your goal is to not push that button. Your goal is to accept them where they are but give them information.
1: So you're no, it sounds like you, like you said before, you've become the advisor Mm -hmm. or the coach, you're just on the sidelines. They're playing the game Mm -hmm. and you're just giving the information as the plays are executed. Yes, ma'am.
2: And eventually, a lot of times they come to things on their own. You know what? We were out drinking. I didn't even like it. I'm never doing that again. Like, really?
1: So what do you do with the part of you in your head that's screaming, that's thinking, are you kidding me?
2: You pray, you scream, when you hang up the phone, you scream and you yell. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You run some laps. You bite on a stick. There you go. Right. Call, your friends, Call your friends. Scream and yell at them. But then you pray about it, and then you release it. And you remember yourself. You remember. And that's the other part. You got to remember who you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, production is. Yeah, I yeah.
1: You're you're remembering who you are for a lot of reasons, right? But one of Absolutely. those things is owning the truth of, so there's, we find ourselves as humans is that sometimes it's hard for us to own our own flaws mm-hmm. and to admit what we've done. And so we're on this constant insatiable pursuit to live out our corrections through our children. Mm. And so they the expectation for them is unattainable in some ways, right? Because they're reconciling our wrongs and our.
2: Exactly. Right. And that, that's a huge problem when you try to live out your expectations through your child—that's a huge burden. That's On you and them, burden. right? Yeah, but the kids feel it the most. Mm-hmm. And you, then they used act out It may be unsaid, yes, but they feel it. Yes. and and you're right. It, they act out more. They, you know, you see some extreme cases. I've seen kids where kids have committed suicide because they'll tell you, "I just cannot live up to what they expect of me."
1: And I want to say this: so you have two young adult daughters of your own but you have made a lifetime and a ministry of working with young people and youth so Mm -hmm. when you're speaking you're not just talking about your two girls in your home you're talking about a continuum of young people over
2: how many years Mm, a lot okay I mean I'm only 35 I know I will
1: that's what I was gonna say you okay production We're back. I'm sorry. Um, so just that your knowledge is not from just in your home within your four walls. No. You have invested in youth for a lifetime. Absolutely. And walked with them for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so this
2: is what you've come to know. This is what I've learned over the years. That, you know, I've seen lots of families where parents live vicariously through their children. Um, and no, they don't own it. Because, you know, they're human. That's what people do. They they don't own it, and they don't see the impact that it has on their child. And so with a lot of grace and care and love, uh, people that walk with children and walk with youth um, have to reassure them of who they are and show them their value and their worth. So and, and then love their parents through absolutely understanding um, the child
1: because that comes out of desperation what and mm-hmm. want and love for your child and so we mm-hmm. understand it's not to shame and blame and guilt no. parents but just to say you've got to separate you from absolutely them. Okay, I have another question for you. Um, how do you stop crying when you no longer have to buy chocolate
2: milk and cereal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me personally, I didn't cry on that yeah, one. So there's, I did. <laughs> why do you think you didn't cry? Uh, I didn't cry because I started launching my children when they were in high school. Okay, but what if you didn't
1: launch them until the two minutes and two seconds before you opened the door at the university?
2: Okay, so how do you stop crying? Because Even- you found,
1: uh, and I want to qualify that, I'm sorry, that somehow... Um, And you want to do all things well, right? Whatever you're given, you want to do with excellence Mm -hmm. and you want to be present and in it. So then that kind of consumes you, right? It becomes your purpose. So a couple of things, is twofold. How do you stop doing that? And then how do you find if you have um, a relationship, like if it's a two-parent family, how do you realign that and get that back on track if it has somehow become child-focused? over these whatever years, Mm. 17 years, 18 years. So the first is, you didn't cry, but how would you advise someone that says, now I don't even, my grocery list is totally different now. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to warm up food anymore. We can eat cheese and crackers for dinner. We don't have to, right? We don't go to football practice anymore. We don't. Friday, I remember with Tony and I, one of the big things for us, we had spent a lifetime of football games, right? right? Friday night lights, like what do you So do? we remember on Donovan's last game when he played as a senior, we sat on that bench with a couple of our other football friends who had shared this with us since we were three, and we're like, what do people even do on Friday nights? Like, where, what is life? Like, what is the meaning of life? If you're not a football parent, what do you, I mean, where's the Embro t-shirt? Like, where, what are we doing? And I just remember that. And then we just laugh. We're like, get up
2: and get, do something or whatever. <laughs> but I was just like, so what do you say to parents who are just like, what now? Uh, you have to decide what that looks like. Don't be afraid to say, well, I like f- high school football. I'm going to keep coming. Don't be afraid Your to say. Your kid doesn't have to be there. Yeah, no, well. there are kids right. that are there whose parents never show up. And guess what? When you go, they are so happy to see you there smiling and cheering them on. Okay. So, uh, you know, when you say, if throughout the entire time your kid was in high school, I hate football games. Guess what? Don't go to another one. Find something that you love to do and do it.
1: And what about if you don't have to, like, wash as many clothes and buy as many groceries or run as many, um, you know, like from place to place? And what do you do then
2: with that time? There's a lot of, well, the first thing is you discover who you are. Figure out who you are. who ask yourself, who was I before I had kids? Oh Lord. Well, some of us need to leave that. I mean, not the immature. Oh I'm sorry okay not that person. Okay. Okay. but what did you enjoy? What did you enjoy? For some people, um, I know a lot of moms who were... Moms that were at home with their kids. Sure. Um, when your kids go off cause I was at home with my kids. When your kids go off to school, go off to college, it's what do you do? Well for me, I I remember that I was very creative. And guess what? I just started doing creative stuff again. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun filling that time with things that I was interested in. So it can be fun. It, it is, can be it fun. It can
1: be fun. Um what about relationships and marriages? Okay,
2: that's the other side of it. It's a great time to have fun with your boyfriend again. Well, He but really you know, is just your boyfriend. Some people have been calling
1: him boyfriend for a while. I mean, I, I have a boyfriend. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, yeah. Have you, how do you do that if you've somehow that has gotten away from you?
2: Hey, you start flirting with that it guy It sounds again. like a whole different podcast oh, that we're yes.
1: going to have to rate. We'll come back.
2: <laughs> We'll do that or whatever. So it's um, allowing yourself to the possibility. Be open to the possibilities. Be Be open to change. Go see the world. If you can afford it, just start to explore. Go on adventures. What if you can't afford it? Yeah, even if you can't. Guess what? We're in Texas. There are so many places you can drive to, to see. The state of Texas has like Paris in Texas. How about that? It's not quite the same. It's not quite the same, but it's Paris. I know. And... It's, you, a, it's a drive with your boyfriend. Right. But this is what I'm saying to you,
1: Charlene, is that some people aren't at the boyfriend level. Like, they're just like, I don't even know who that person is anymore. Take the time to get to know him. And sometimes that can be like a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. In the backyard. Figure out what you want to talk with about. With your feet up, mm-hmm. right? Talking about what is your favorite
2: color? Exactly. What do you like to eat? Mm-hmm. What is it? He comes home from work. You know, Stop. for years, Stop. he has been... Changing his clothes and sitting in front of the television. Guess what? It's just the two of you. Hey, come join me out here for a sec. Right, or
1: all your conversations have been about the kids.
2: Absolutely. Right. Who needs to be where
1: and who needs to do that?
2: So what's going on? How's work today? What are you up to?
1: And, and, try to, and learn how to care again, right? Exactly. So everything is patience, grace extending, mm-hmm. forgiving easily, being patient, being excited, being grateful. Uh, patience and grace are at the top of that list. And I would say for me also is the the privilege of watching your children leave the nest for me has been so overwhelming is that not not even for my relief or release because I uh, happen to enjoy them uh, immensely, but the privilege of being allowed to see them step into their lives and for it not to be tethered to me or them having to pay homage to me or whatever uh knowing that I'm all right, has been, I must say, it has been quite an exciting experience for us mm-hmm. to just watch it and say, you know what? That didn't necessarily have anything to do with us. Like, exactly, that's their plan they're stepping into. That's their destiny. That's their ministry.
2: But people forget that that's what parenting is. Well, because it's such an investment, right? It Emotionally,
1: is. monetarily. But so the
2: goal is to release them. My dad told me... Um, he said, um, when I had my kids, he said, you know, and he said, he said this a lot to me. It's the same story. He says, have you ever watched a bird with their young? When he first said it to me, I was like, what? You're so weird. You know, he said, no, watch a bird. He said, when a bird raises a young bird, they feed them, they care for them, they love on them. He said, after a certain period of time, they release them. What they say is they push them out of the nest time to fly. He said, either they're going to fly or they're going to hit the ground. He said, but either way, it was okay. He said, think of parenting in that way. Either they're going to fly or they're going to hit the ground. Your goal is to help them. But your goal is to help them fly. The mother bird's goal is always to help them fly.
1: Great. You don't want to hit the ground because we have bobcats here. So I'm just going to (laughs) say everybody stay in the air. Okay. I have some Boy, that was a sermon. That was, that was brilliant right there. Okay, okay. so now I have some um, questions specifically for you Uh-oh. or some props because it cl- quantifies, clarifies who's at the porch and on the porch,
2: okay.
1: brings relevance to your value. So, I am from. I am from, and you will now list sights, sounds, and smells that you recall from your childhood.
2: Starting Do with you I know am where from. I am from. You say whatever you want. Uh-huh. I am from. I am from... Bring your mic up. Oh. I am from... I was raised in Miami, Florida. Sights, sounds, and smells. I miss the smell of the ocean, which was daily. Sights, um, people, a diversity of people, a diversity of cultures all around me all the time. Sounds. Smells. 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 Smells of food from different cultures always.
1: What was your favorite fruit? I am from your favorite food when you were growing My up. My favorite
2: food when I was growing up? Um, it's interesting. I was a picky eater, but I loved things off of trees. So in Miami, we grow, it's not uncommon to have a mango tree in the area. Just grab one. Um, pomegranates. Mm-hmm um, coconuts. Mm -hmm. Those are the things I miss growing up. Good. I am
1: from family sayings like things you recall or account being said in your family of
2: (laughs) origin. This is always a good one. Every tub has to sit on its own bottom. Oh, so you have to know (laughs) my great grandmother is Bahamian. And so she had lots of sayings. And that was one that she used to say often that my dad reiterated to us. What often. does that m- even mean? Every tub. What, what does it mean to me now as an adult? When I was a kid, I had no idea what she meant, but she used to always say, as we were growing up, she goes, eventually every tub has to sit on its own bottom. What? You know, it was a <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Um, for me, when it comes to, when I, my grandmother was a, a faithful woman of God faithful woman of God and so what does that translate to me today as an adult it means that everyone has to stand on their own so when you look at from a biblical reference we all have to to stand before the Lord for ourselves no one can get you no one can get you in and you you're being held accountable for your actions and your choices so one of the things that we stress to our children growing up is that you will reap what you sow
0: You know, that, that, you know, translation
2: consequences for your choices. Translate that again. Every tub has to sit on its own bottom, meaning that whatever choices you make, you will stand in them, which is great for this dialogue we've had today. Right. It's a great thing to
1: say. We should throw that saying to them. And they'll be like, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, uh, will you list? I am from attributes of people that you have come to love and respect or that are meaningful in your life, what are consistent attributes that those individuals have?
2: Ooh, people that I love in my life, that I respect, see me. They see me not through the lens of what they might have heard. They've taken the time to converse with me and to know and understand who I am um they respect my choices because they are my choices um what was the rest of that question anything else
1: about like people you're like these are people i found that these are consistent attributes and people that i'm like i love that people that
2: are authentic I, i i i um i love people that are authentic people that make me smile um and that's easy to do i'll start laughing But people that are authentic are important to me, and people that um, value others. Very good.
1: Well, I value you. I cannot tell you what a privilege it has been for you to take your time and come sit with me on the porch. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, and i'm sure there are many other questions that will come from listeners about this topic so it could be that you will be back very soon but i'm very appreciative of you i have been and i continue to be so thank you for this moment Um, and both charlene and i are grateful for an opportunity to sit down to think that anything that we might have said is of any kind of worth or of assistance to any human being in this world. We're grateful for all the listeners and your time and attention. Uh, our heart's desire and earnest prayer is that we have offered something relevant and something that gives uh, or fortifies your soul. And our prayer is that you will find rest
0: for your souls. As we bring another episode to a close, we want to thank you. And check out our website at miaembro.com. That's M-I-A mbroh.com leave us a message or feedback also make sure you subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest episodes and join us next time as we discuss what's on your souls